Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to a Monday, June 12th, 2023 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Chase Thomas Podcast Network, Sports Renaissance Man, all that good stuff. Uh, each and every day here on this very program. This is a daily national show outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee. So appreciate you guys uh, checking in uh, on what's going on today. Because it's Monday, you know what that means, sports reporters. We have indeed reassembled along with a great NBA pod uh, with uh, Corbin Ford. So we got Robert Silverman, uh, Andrew Hammond, and Corbin Ford all in this jam-packed episode here on the Monday edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Kick things off, we got uh, sports reporters who have indeed reassembled talking about the biggest sports stories this week with Andrew, Bob, and myself. We talked about Chris Paul and his future with the Suns, where he goes, Lakers or Clippers making the most sense. Uh, Damian Lillard, is he finally going to get traded this offseason? What do the trade options look like for him? And if it's time for Bob to uh, give up on the Mets, who are just having a really, really rough go of it. So all that and more uh, with sports reporters uh, here on the Monday show. We've also got Corbin Ford of Round Ball Ramble and uh, Swish Theory and uh, a lot of other places. So uh, one of the rising NBA writer, podcaster stars in this industry. So always great to have Corbin Ford on this very show to talk about uh, all things NBA. We talked about Frank Vogel um, getting the Suns job. We talked about Monty Williams getting the Pistons job. We talked about if it's finally going to happen. The, the Washington Wizards going to do a deep, painful, long rebuild and move on from Bradley Beal, Kuzma, Chris Stapps, and company because Michael Winger coming in there to run the show and uh, new management and why it's uh, it's time. They won 35 games last year. It's, it's time to tear it down. Um, and then we went uh, long in the Lakers, what the Lakers next season are going to look like, uh, LeBron's future, AD, uh, if Chris Paul is a fit there. Um, and all that and more coming up uh, with Corbin uh, following Sports Reporters. So jam-packed show for you guys today here on a Monday. Thank you for listening. As always, if you are a new subscriber, uh, first, 
thank you for or for <laughs> a new listener uh first thank you uh for checking out the pod make sure that you hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed today's episode uh so you never miss a future episode here on the program if you're already subscribed and a fan of the chase Thomas podcast here on the chase Thomas podcast network ctpn um first thank you and uh for your support and if you would if you have not already done so leave this show a five-star rating and a review on apple podcast spotify or however you get your podcasts it's incredibly important with the way uh other people find the show and help this show continue to grow so if you could take care of that today uh i would greatly greatly appreciate it we're over a thousand on youtube subs so if you love uh watching podcasts clips shorts all that good stuff check us on youtube it's just booming on the youtube page so i appreciate y'all checking out the program uh on that front so youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast like and subscribe all that good stuff as well newsletter support renaissanceman.substack.com type in your email that easy that simple and yeah all right i think i think that's it uncle darren chase thomas podcast the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right hello welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the sports reporters who have indeed reassembled. Bob's not dancing. It's rainy, maybe. In, I'm in pointing. I'm You're, pointing. Why are you pointing? I, I don't know. Who are you pointing at? Me, Andrew? The viewers. Yes. Right there on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. We're over a thousand subscribers now, uh, just on YouTube alone. So we're doing really well on that front. Um, so I appreciate you guys watching uh, wherever and however you're watching or listening to this very program. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, we also greatly appreciate the NCAA for uh, ruining my weekend uh, with putting the Tennessee Baseball Super Regional in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where rain was in the forecast uh, days ago. And you know where it didn't rain yesterday? Where it was beautiful? Knoxville, Tennessee. Do you know who would have played a full baseball game yesterday in Knoxville, Tennessee? So shame on the NCAA, shame on this entire monstrosity of an event that we now have to do a double header jumping right back in with a runner on first in the fifth inning here to make it through the Super Regionals. Just an embarrassment all around. I'm so fired up and so annoyed that I'm going to have to spend six hours of my day doing this double header, uh, hoping that Tennessee can make it through so we don't have to spend another day in that environment, in that state that Tennessee should not have had to go to in the first place the town that brett Favre built yeah i am <laughs> andrew you know i'm fired up you you could imagine uh how all tennessee fans were yesterday uh over the monstrosity bob of what's going on uh in hattie can we just talk about this real quick yes we'll do 30 seconds because bob's only got 30 minutes here uh uh yeah so super regionals in terms of where they are being played um, there needs to be an actual like like a deep dive in how we fix this stuff because another super regional TCU Indiana State Indiana State was a ranked team like they were a rank if you're in the top 16 seeds and you make the next week and you make the second weekend of the tournament you get to host mm. I get there was there were circumstances in the way of Indiana hosting. But you could have you could have found a way to do it. So yeah, there's just okay. no transparency. And Bob, it's a it's insane. After 16 seeds, everyone's not seated. So the two two seeds here, Southern Miss and Tennessee, 
you don't really know what went into why Southern Miss got to host over Tennessee. But, they because, put in, but, but teams can put in bids to host yes. if they make the second weekend. But both did, and they didn't explain why uh, a certain university did not host and one did. Um, Bob, Sounds like the NCAA. Yeah, it's great. It's We're really having a great time. Again. We're all having fun here. We're all, I'm not mad. I'm actually laughing. I'm actually laughing. Um, Bob, is it a good idea for the Phoenix Suns to move on from Chris Paul this offseason? No. Uh, I, I, yeah, no. I, I really don't think, unless they've got some very complicated deal worked out for uh, a different starting point guard, the Phoenix, uh, or they're going to cash him in for multiple players. I'm sorry. I think Chris Paul still has it. Chris Paul, I know that you're dealing with Chris Paul injuries. I know you're dealing with uh, Chris Paul's inevitable playoff flame out. I know he is, what, 38 years old now? Somewhere How old is Chris there. Paul going to be? I don't think Jamie? he's 38. Is he 37? Jamie? I was, just, I was gonna say maybe 36, 37, something like that. Oh, he yeah, is 38. He just turned 38 in May. He's 38 years old. That is for a 5'11 point guard, there is not a long history of NBA uh floor generals or guards at all under 6'3, six, 6'3 three, six, three and under who last into their late 30s. There yeah. is he had a drop-off this year. He wasn't as good as he was the previous two years with Phoenix, but and I know Phoenix is trying to save money. To me, to me, the elephant in the room in all this, and there was a, there was a, a very good column that um, David Thorpe and Henry Abbott published on True Hoop. It's on Great the Substack, but it is that particular installment is free to read. Hmm. I would recommend you check it out. They talk about a number of trades possibly for Damian Lillard, but I think the bigger question, and, and a lot of people are covering this, the new CBA for teams over the apron is prohibitively is going to be prohibitively restrictive. And there are going to be, I think the phrase that, that Abbott used is that the new CBA two years when it actually kicks in is going to run through the NBA like a Mack truck. The, uh, and so you're going to see, and it, it's going to do a couple of things. It's going to increase the seemingly devalued first round draft pick. Expiring contracts are going to become a thing that actually has actual currency again. And, Superstar players are not going to get every single pick from now until the end of time, plus players. Like, superstar trades are going to happen for less because the financial constraints that the whole league and the Players Association decided was cool is going to force a lot of changes. So I think Phoenix is looking ahead. Is hmm. what they're, doing. they're saying we already are spending... I don't know what the contract is. Durant's contract is forty million. I think uh, Booker's is thirty, and it's escalating. We're spending. We're going to be spending seventy to eighty million dollars plus in the next couple of years on two guys, and we can't afford to pay Chris Paul thirty million next year mm. if we want to have a functioning team that contends during the remainder of Kevin Durant's prime. So that, to me, is the motivation for this. I think they're hoping that Chris Paul really wants to re-up for less money, but stretching his contract is a real possibility. I I, I, I don't see a pathway to getting better if they do that, unless they can do that, though. But uh, one other thing, Andrew, where can I get your damn I'm good t-shirt? Because that... (laughs) 
Uh, so I would like to purchase that for myself. Uh, damn, I am good. So I don't know if if you ever heard the T-shirt brand homage, but they have like um, or homage, whatever. I was gonna say, is it actually pronounced homage this whole time? I just said homage. homage. Yeah, homage. So basically, like they just have like these different T-shirts, and I saw it one day, and I was like, yeah, I need this. It's Um, a good shirt. Thank you. Quality shirt. This is not a paid spot, but I want that. Could be. I would welcome homage. 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 You know, I just got to let the people know that, damn, I'm good. Yeah. In t-shirt form. Now, now mm. you don't even need to say it. It just. There you go. And then Bob's repping LeBron today with the French hat. Because, uh, Le... what was he? What was his post? He was at Le Mans. Le Mans. Also, we had Jimmy Johnson driving a NASCAR V8. You know, just we had NASCAR at Le Mans. That is the most American thing ever. <laughs> God, that is I love pretty. this country. Uh, you know, when we aren't hiding secrets in bathrooms. Who would do such a thing? No, no, never heard of them. My papers. Um, Andrew, uh, <laughs> CP3, do you think he makes more sense on the Clippers or the Lakers? Because I think that's how this ends. If he gets stretched, I think he winds up in one of the two. If he goes, probably the Lakers because you know why not do why not complete the LeBron and friends banana boat? I've teamed with my buddies. Not only get Lamelo back, get Melo back rather, get Melo out of retirement. I was gonna say you don't get him out of retirement. Yeah, just make him an assistant coach, like a bench guy. Like he would do that for a year. Not only do you do it internationally with mm. Team USA basketball, but you also have the aspect of, oh, hey, we're doing it domestically. God, I sound like a soccer guy now. You do. But, <laughs> you do. No, I mean, look, will it, will it make sense for the Lakers to get Chris Paul for a discounted rate? Sure. Cool. Yeah, then great. they can move on from – D'Angelo Russell's expiring contract. I think he's an expiring contract. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, yes, the, that's correct. The funny thing is that there's a team out there that nobody's, I mean, I think a few people are talking about, but nobody is taking seriously, probably because it won't happen. Um, Say it. The Boston Celtics. They needed a point guard in the worst way for people are talking about the Celtics. I heard the Celtics mentioned that's not true. No, it's not true that nobody's talking about the Celtics as a CP3. Well, it's, but I'm talking about a serious, a serious destination. But is the CP issue in Boston, the same thing like Dame where he's just like, they're rattling off teams to him. And he's like, I'm not going to Boston. I wonder if it's the same thing with CP. Like I'm not going, I'm not living in Boston. I love Dame. Don't get me wrong. I love Mm. Damian Lillard, but buddy, you're, Basically, Pacific Northwest Alex English right now. So. Whoa, 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 whoa! Somehow that's insulting to both Dame and Alex. English. <laughs> I'm just that. saying. Like, okay, you want to sit here and go, "Oh, I'm not going here. I'm not going there, buddy." You're you. He doesn't want to leave. He, you until, willingly stayed in Portland. I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just he has, like he has it, it until Damian Lillard says, and not on a boxing podcast. <laughs> until he gets an actual statement from Damian Lillard saying, 
we get information because he won't say it publicly. He'll say it to uh, Joe Cronin and the Blazers Brain Trust. I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think he's going anywhere either. That's there's, why there's, it's just kind of no, like even the Celtics. There is the Celtics. No team can that could put together a reasonable offer for Damian Lillard would then be able to contend with Damian Lillard. I mean, again, I'm going to refer to this true hoop blog. They put together a bunch of fake trades, and boy, do they all suck for the Blazers. Oh, yeah. Boy, they are they bad. What was the worst one? Uh, I can pull it up. Yeah, you can pull um, it up. Uh, I, I'm not remembering it at the moment. I think all I just remember was... seeing from the Blazers deals were, like, because I think they had, what, three or four different ones? I think one was based on, like, OG Ananobi. Yeah, like there, there's a lot of hey, um, we're gonna. It's you it know was, how it was. Up, it was OG Ananobi, and then they move back in the draft and get Anthony Black. It, you, I, I Bob, as a concept, know, I like it. I like fake trade blogs, but Bob, you, you, you know how like NFL teams go through that phase where it's like, hey, we're gonna take a step back for two or three years, but then it comes, then becomes like. Five or six. You're talking about the Houston Texans right now, or the Arizona That's Cardinals. That's the vibe aren't I you? got from all of those trades. Oh, here's the best one. I'm looking at it right now. The best one's Cat and Minot for Lillard. I would do that from Portland. Like if you feel like you're going to lose it, and Cat's not going to mess up your uh, your kind of tanking. You're going to have the number three. You have Scoot right there potentially to jump right in. You have Shaden Sharp. Uh, like I. Yeah, why not? That's I as mean, equal value as you're going to get in a Lillard trade. That is, yeah. If it's that just, is, then Cat's contract is sixty million dollars yeah. in a couple of years. It's so bad. It's so bad. And I don't know. These are, the, but, we've been waiting for Carl Anthony Towns to play up to his abilities now for pretty much the entirety of his career. Yeah, you're banking on. I guess that you're banking on that happening. Otherwise, he becomes. A but he goes to Portland. Very, he can hide out. Like, I don't know. No pressure. Oh, right. Because of the, <laughs> the white-hot intensity of the Minneapolis-St. Paul media market is what's held him back Look, Steve so McPherson far. pulls no punches. Um, you know this, Bob. He goes, he goes from one relaxed media market to a very super-duper relaxed media market. Yeah. Tim Falkus has been unbearable to, uh, to cat so, since he arrived. Sean Hyken at his... Paid subscribers tonight. Rose Garden Report has also written a great deal about Damian mm. Lillard and why he doesn't think it's going to happen. I'm going to default to. What um, was his overriding thesis as to why? The best overriding thesis is what I said. I'm stealing his idea. The thesis oh. is is that there's no team that can put together a package for the Blazers mm. that's that makes it worth their while to trade an even an age 34, 35 superstar who really hasn't fallen off that much, if any in the last three years. Yeah. Dame's peak is speaking about point guards extending their run. Dame is still awesome. I he if if he's lost anything, you really don't see it that much game to game. I mean for casual fans who tune in when Dame is going off. You really don't see it that much. So as a basketball fan though, Hero and Robinson for Lillard would yeah, be Yeah, there's the other one. That would be fun. Portland should never do that, but as a basketball fan, Jimmy, Bam, and Lillard would be fun. One, Jimmy, Bam, and Lillard again. would be fun. And, and as Hyken points out, your return is <laughs> the guy who spent the entirety of the NBA Finals dressed like Bad Bunny. That mm. guy. That's pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. Or rather, a guy dressed as a suburban teenager who thinks he's Bad Bunny, I think would be in, the, in, in, in 2002. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, it is of all of the deals that Portland could make, it's just like you're basically telling your fans, hey, guys, for the next decade, develop a hobby. Do not give Pat Riley, Damian Lillard, that would be a hate crime. Well, well no, 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 no. Here's what's going to happen. Miami Heat fans are going to be more, even more insufferable when nobody's paying attention to them for more than five minutes at a time. Can we just say for the record that all fans are insufferable in their own special they way? They are. But I led also... this with a crusade against Southern Miss. That wasn't nice of me. I, that was an insufferable right. Tennessee fan monologue I just did. Right. But, yeah. all fan, I, being I insufferable all... is one of the God-given rights of fans. Yeah. That's the point no, of being a fan. Fine. to be I'm unreasonable totally... and unrealistic and petty and bitter. I'm totally fine with if, – if you're a fan and you want to be unreasonable, hell – we pick a team when we're four or five years old and we let it ruin us for the rest of our lives. Of course we're insufferable. The problem I have with some fan bases is they want to play this oppression Olympics where it's just like, guys, no, you no, nobody cares. Is this your way okay. of leading into the Mets? No. Huh? I mean, Sacramento, Sacramento Kings fans, I think they can take they're they're allowed to be they're allowed to to, to sort of they're allowed to what are they gonna gripe it? about? Oh my god, we didn't get to like the beam in game seven? No, I'm just saying they actually had to deal with truly awful nonsense. Yeah, oh absolutely. Yeah. No, like there's some basis. I don't know, what do you want to say? 18 years? Yeah, I also saw uh speaking of the Kings, uh Mitchell for CP3 was something that was. Yeah, that's on the list. I was I actually don't hate that. Like it's very basketball Twitter. Like that's a full on true hoop blog from 2007 of like why Damian Mitchell actually is a better fit for Katie and Devin Booker than Chris Paul. But also like, I don't hate that with Frank Vogel coming in the defense first guy where I'm like, Hey, just go all day. Like, you know, I could see it a little bit. Frank Vogel's entire vibe to me is a thrice divorced substitute math teacher who who maybe had what? So Phil Mickelson? No, no. There's a different. That's a Phil is is wealthy thrice divorced. Uh, Frank. Oh, okay. what, the, is it is, Frank. Frank is in massive. He's driving a Toyota Camry. Divorced. Yeah. Yeah. Good coach. NBA World Champion. I also way. can't unsee. Someone made the comparison. I don't know if y'all watch Impractical Jokers, but he looks like Joe Gatto from Impractical Jokers, and I've never, never been able to unsee it. it. Like never. once I. It's never. Good. Ne- ne- never sat down for. For for more than five minutes because there was either an NBA game or a college basketball game coming on like right after it. It's a good twenty minutes. It's fine. It's it's harmless. It's fine. Um, Bob, is it officially time to panic about the Mets? No, we're fine with it. Speaking is of it, 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 gone. It, it, has has the Earth been spinning? Of course, it's yeah. time to panic about. The I Mets. just think I'm it's... not panicking. I'm not panicking. Why like, are you not panicking? I'm not panicking because I have entered Mets sicko mode, and the sicko uh-huh. mode is. I want them to keep losing games so that our wealthy hedge fund owner <laughs> decides to clear house and get Billy Epler out of there. And also Buck Showalter. I'm, I'm oh, you're out on Buck Showalter. I'm out. I find it. I find him. I, 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 he was a good manager for one year. And then we learn why the Yankees and the Rangers and the Orioles decided, yeah, I don't know if he's the guy. I, his, mm. his moves are logical and fine but he does not have the ability to pull 
a team that is spiraling out of control uh, off that track, I don't think. I, I, it's fine. He can go. I'll, yeah, but mainly Billy Epler, who has built... I think you can actually say this is, for dollar-to-production ratio, this is the worst team money could ever buy. They're the most expensive team <laughs> in baseball. That's such a Mets headline. That's a book yeah. right Speaking there. Speaking of insufferable book. fans, it was that's a book. It, it was the name of the 1993 team. Mets. Worst team money could buy. About oh, the was that really? Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, that's the book headline. Part um, two, volume yeah. two. And I'm, I'm fine with it. I want them to get rid of all the overpaid, underproducing veterans on this roster. Let the kids cook. Francisco Alvarez, my incredibly strong, lovable son. I get to watch him every day. That's great. Bring up some more kids. Let him cook. It's fine. Clear out all the clear out all the wise old vets. Get as many prospects. It's tanking time, kids. It's fine. Oh, so you don't want to make the playoffs? They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not a good baseball team. Wow, you're at that point. They're not. They have don't reverse jinx this. Don't do this. At any moment, they have one and a half good starting pitchers and one and a half good relievers. Hmm. Their lineup is they've got one source of power, as you said, who is injured, and then again, my incredibly strong, beautiful son, Francisco Alvarez. (laughs) They don't have it. They're not a playoff team. They should not sell off prospects in an abortive run to maybe snag the third wild card. That would be bad. Cut bait. Reload. Spend everything on. Spend six hundred million dollars on Otani next year. There. Wow. It's so fine. Dodgers, I'm fine with that. So, 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 so why is David Stearns not GM yet? What's happening there? What's the wait? What's the holdup? Because there is no consistent history of the Mets being a well-run franchise. Why would you take that job? Hmm. That's why Billy Epler has the job because yeah. Steve Cohen came in. Obviously, there was a willingness to spend money, but the sort of institutional rot that has pervaded this team for the last 20 years is still there. And it's going to take time to out all the black mold and the pestilence and the vermin before an actual good baseball front office executive says, yeah, I'm going to run things here. The, the exterminators, this is the extermination phase. This is the, this is the controlled burn phase of a rebuild. We're still in that. God, It's fine. I'm not mad. Okay. I'm fine with it. I really am. This is not rationalizing. I really am. I'm like, okay, that's this team this year. I've there experienced a lot of 75, 87 to 82, 20 Mets teams. I, I know what this is. This is very familiar terrain that we're back into. Do you know what else is familiar about this? What? The Braves just winning multiple division titles in a row. Just yeah. Oh, like yeah. Are they actually going to cash in and actually win a World Series? They've already done it once. Andrew, yeah, they don't know once. They don't they get to do it, it again. I no. hate oh, okay. oh, no. We I got it behind me. Another 20 years for that? I hate them with the fire of a thousand suns. We <laughs> we got to wait another 20 years for the I hate them. I hate happen. them. Speaking of insufferable fans, they cheered Pete Alonso's injury. That's not great. No, but it also, isn't, is it? Pete Alonso talking smack when he's I, I'm in sorry, the they took a break from their racist chant to celebrate <laughs> another player getting hurt. They're mixing it up. Well, variety is the spice of life, Bob. Uh-huh. Throw it to me again. Throw it. Throw it to me again. He didn't want it again. The Braves won that game. Um, Andrew. Also, you guys, your pitching staff is a little wobbly, too. I think you shouldn't be counting your proverbial chickens yet. Death, taxes, the Atlanta Braves won the NL East. Um, Andrew Hammond. 
What's your pick of the week here? Um, obviously not Mariah Mills Twitter feed. <laughs> um, it is probably <laughs> NBA Twitter knows what he's talking about. Other people might not. Also, it's de- and uh, Zion just like doing a school charity event, like while that this is all going on a, and never addressing you, any of it is just top do notch. You, do, you guys have both watched The Office. You know that uh, part where Michael says, It's happening, it's happening. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that, that's Zion's PR <laughs> team right now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a lot I of memes. Think, there are a lot of my, Zion memes going around. Uh, I have my, a particularly my, rude one, which I'll share in the group chat later. Please do. Can't wait. Uh, my pick of the week, honestly, is just Monday night. We may see Monday and Tuesday night. We may see the Denver Nuggets and the Las Vegas Knights win championships for the first time. And I think those are special moments because uh, fans will be born out of these moments. And I think that these are special to watch. And I think, yeah, we all look at Jokic as this big oaf. And, you know, according to some people who are, you know, supporting Chris Christie, Stephen A. Smith, uh, he is, you know, he he can't jump onto a curb. Yet he is supporting Chris Christie. Yeah. Uh, As an online guy, I thought Bob would know this one. Yeah. yeah, it's, It's kind of weird and hilarious. But anyway. To see a guy like Nikola Jokic, you know, who is doing all these all these historic things in the finals, and and his reaction is just like, okay, um, it's it's some, there's something endearing about it. It's not like an insufferable endearing, um, but also I think the Vegas Golden Knights, the fact that they've organic the only franchise in Vegas who who has organically built a fan base. Someone and, on another someone on another podcast said this, and I think it's really right. There, there are a lot of attempts to to shoehorn in franchises to Vegas. Obviously, the Raiders are there, and the depending, on, depending on how 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 quickly John uh, Fisher's uh, various apparatchiks and flax can 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 pull the wool over the eyes of the Nevada legislature, there may be another one very soon. By the way, that's delightful. If you want to watch an owner's doofus employees get absolutely rinsed. I encourage you to watch the hearings about whether or not Nevada should devote hundreds of millions of dollars to this misbegotten franchise. Um, But the Knights came in, the Knights came in, the Knights were not that. And because it happened right after the Las Vegas shooting is when the team was announced that there was a, a need to for the actual residents, not the tourists who everyone is banking on to, to fill the seats most of the time. Um, there was a real need for some kind of communal thing, for lack of a better word, something to rally around that felt real. And yeah, you can. it is incredibly cheesy to consider a sports team being a source of communal pride, but it's true. And so that because of that, the, the Vegas Knights were, you know, you don't consider Nevada to be a hotbed for hockey, but a series of unforeseen events made it so. It led to them really, the locals really rallying around this team, and I think that's cool. And and as we've seen with the NHL over the last, really the last 25, 30 years, when you see the impact of what 
hockey in Los Angeles did. When you see the impact of what the Arizona Coyotes did for that state, because mm, they're, they're, yeah. here's, 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 here's what I'm saying. There's a kid named Austin Matthews. I, I heard that kid. Make beliefs. So, like, in 18, in 15 to 20 years, we're going to see maybe it's one, two, three, maybe four or five guys who are in the NHL out of that, you know, that mountain region who fell in love with the hockey, fell in love with the game of hockey and became hockey fans because of the Vegas Golden Knights. So I think we need to really kind of take back and, 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 and understand that these are some special moments that we may encounter over the next 48 to 72 hours. There you go. Bob, what about you? What's your pick of the week? I found a new show that I like. What is that? That show is Dead Ringers. Dead Ringers. On what Amazon Prime. Dead Ringers is a, they've turned, the, the, it was a movie by David Cronenberg in the 1980s starring Jeremy Irons. Mm. Um, and it has been remade as a TV series starring the always delightful Rachel Weiss as twin, let's call them experimental gynecologists. And if you're a David Cronenberg fan, you'll get an idea about what I'm hinting at when I say experimental gynecology. Um, hmm. Yeah, Andrew's making a face. That is the correct face to make. I'm, I'm going to Google now. I'm pointing. What is that show? Dead Space Ringers. But you got to type in Amazon Prime because the movie comes up first, Andrew. I'm looking at it, too. Yeah, well, I just looked up Dead Ringers 2023, and yeah. Rachel Weiss plays twins. She plays both of them, of course. Um, it is explicit and graphic and very disturbing. I'm only... I think one and three quarters episodes in, but it already has the Bob Silverman seal of approval. I find it good. And especially, and again, Rachel Weiss, always delightful. And this is a star vehicle for her in some, uh, I would say I you might want to the synopsis and I'm like, Oh yeah. You see what I said when I kept it PG, when I described yeah. it as a experimental. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's getting real with Rachel Vice time, guys. I, <laughs> How do you pronounce her last name? Vice. Vice. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's you know. Vice. It's European. Okay. Yeah. Vice. The V's. W's. Or, I mean Vice, but you know. But it's not Vice. It's Vice. The, yeah, I think the so. Owen Wilson stage of homage. <laughs> reading the synopsis, I'm just like, wow, wow. Yeah. No spoilers, but. That's the correct response. And it is quite good. I recommend it. There you go. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, oh, no. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. You just ruined the rest of Andrew's weekend. Um, no, 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 no. He didn't. He didn't. No, he didn't. No, no. no. It's fine. It's Andrew, fine. I want you to watch this show. And I would like you. We, we'll discuss. We'll hash it out next week on the pod. We'll get some feedback. Sure, on. sure. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. Chase, because of you and and uh, and uh, Mrs. Chase's pre Sam's predilection for uh, quite uh, graphic material. I think 
you might decide it. I, I wouldn't call it horror, but I think body horror would be a good way to describe this. Okay. Well. You know, Cronenberg. Yeah. Well, the new flesh. But usually, the Bob Silverman approval always has to have some type of element of uh, Willem Dafoeing. Yeah, yes. he's got a new movie coming out, by the way. It's Dafoe adjacent. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Well, I saw Defoe, the trailer for it. The Willem Dafoe universe. Bob's gonna be there. Which Willem Dafoe movies does he works a lot? Um, it's a. I, I, I'll, I'll we'll talk about it in the group chat. Deal. There you go. Is it Willem or William? Willem. I just want to keep doing this bit. Like we're just I hate like. You. <laughs> Bob Silverman, Andrew Hammond, always a pleasure, and I will talk to y'all next week. All right, we're back here on the Chainsaws Podcast. Corbin Ford, Roundball Ramble, you know him. One of the best NBA writers, podcasters going right now. Corbin out there in Denver, Colorado. No longer in Phoenix, Arizona. Corbin, how are you? You know, Chase, I am doing great. Always happy to be on the Chase Thomas podcast. Like this is this is a fun tradition. Over almost a year now. I'd say over a year at this point, off and on, right? I mean, I think closer to two. I think you and Lauren and I yeah, we did you're probably, those, Yeah. This old friends at this point. I love yes. it. Um I'm doing good, you know, getting used to Colorado, like you said. Um, but settling in, uh, definitely weird being among, you know, so many diehard Nugget fans and mm. just being like, congrats, I'm a Lakers guy, you know, but mm-hmm. it's been great. I have been enjoying it and I'm um, happy to talk ball as always. There you go. Uh, well, we are going to talk ball here on this very program, Corbin, because um, there have been a lot of coaching hires now that every single coaching hire has been completed uh, with the Raptors uh, hiring Darko to wrap things up here in a surprise kind of uh, higher here um, down the stretch for the Raptors and it seems like that being the, uh, that higher going down to um, which is an interesting circumstance because um, if the reporting is correct that Masai was looking for someone who could handle a rebuild and someone who could handle uh, one now team if they keep this core together which is fascinating because the other report was that Fred Van Pleet and Gary Trent Jr. are both likely gone from Toronto this summer so uh, interested to see what happens um with the Raptors uh, sooner rather than later, but uh, this could also be your pick. But I think now that every single NBA coaching vacancy has been filled, Corbin, I want to parse through uh, on your end where your head's at. So what, uh, in the positive way, what has been the best hire for you this cycle? Who do you think will end up being the most successful? I'm really high on Frank Vogel. Mm. Um, with the Phoenix Suns. Um, kind of partial to Frank Vogel. You know, he was the Lakers coach for two years. Mm. Uh, three years, my fault. Won them a championship in 2020. Or helped, you know, coach him to a championship in 2020. And I feel like at this point, the book on Frank Vogel is already written as far as what he's the coach. He's a guy who is defensive-minded. You know, I think that he's um, a fairly decent communicator. Um, somebody who, if you have, like, an offense offensive engine that's pretty reliable like he can kind of cobble together a decent defense mm. to make it work unless you give them just absolutely at least you give him absolutely nothing on that end like we saw with the 2022 lakers you know just no defensive um personnel whatsoever then of course he's kind of toast but if you give him a couple of good offensive players he'll find a scheme you know he'll put together the de- defensive players that he has you know in his 
Arsenal to really put together a decent squad. And I think we've seen that, right? Um, offensively, not the most imaginative coach in the world. Um, the 2020 Lakers team, I think, was hardly, you know, an Exodus and O's masterpiece. They had one of the greatest to do that with LeBron James, but... You know, it's not like they were just devising these amazing offensive schemes, right? Um, we saw them in Indiana. Those teams weren't really known as offensive juggernauts, although they had offensive cable players. They're known for that defense, you know, hard hat, lunch pail type effort. Um, and I think those are the better examples of a Frank Vogel-led team. The lesser example would be a team that has either no defense, like we saw the 2022 Lakers, or no defense and no offense, like we saw the 2017 Magic. So... Like, those are the two extremes. But outside of that, I think you have a really solid coach who's going to get the most out of the Suns on the defensive end. And also, let's be real, it just needed a, a different voice in the locker room. I think Monty Williams will run its course. I don't necessarily describe the belief that Monty Williams is like this really, really good like locker room guy. Um, just from like some of the stuff you hear in terms of, you know, DeAndre and, and Jay Crowder and some of that. Not that they're like bastions of, you know, just on the up and up in terms of like getting along with everyone, but they didn't have issues like this before. And so I look at Monty Williams as kind of the problem a little bit, not wanting to budge, being a little bit headstrong. So I think you get a coach, different voice, boom, and he's also comes with a known quantity of what he brings to the table. And I really am high on Frank Vogel higher. That's interesting. I think Frank Vogel probably most set up for success, right, with Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. Like, we'll see what happens with Chris Paul and what his um, future uh, looks like and whether or not um, that might be with your Lakers here uh, sooner rather than later as a, a fallback um, to mm-hmm. uh, Kyrie Irving being a realistic option for LeBron to uh, get uh, in Los Angeles. I I look at this and I wonder who it who it helps the most, right? Like, is Vogel a good hire for Aiden? Probably. Like, that's probably good news for DeAndre and that Frank Vogel's here. Who is it good news for? It's probably good news for Kevin Durant. Like, this is a good hire for them, and this is going to be a team that's going to be a really good defensive team that's going to put uh, that's going to help Kevin Durant in that way. Josh Okoge, probably someone who is a benefactor here uh, from Frank Vogel. But I just wonder what the alternative is to Chris Paul, because, yes, you have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, two uh, arguably top ten players in the league right now, and both are healthy which is great, but you saw depth come back to bite them um, in this postseason and Chris Paul not being able to stay healthy and them still missing already a fifth guy in their starting lineup because of how much they gave up for um, Kevin Durant in uh, the Kevin durant Mikhail Bridges trade. Like, I don't know what they're going to do this offseason. I'm curious like how they approach the league ball handler position. Do because it's not like they had that really. I mean, you had the Alex Caruso minutes uh, with Frank Vogel, Dennis Schroeder. It didn't like there was more of a, a collection of guys there. And with Devin Booker um, and Kevin Durant being able to do what they do, I wonder how they approach this offseason in that regard. If they just maybe it's a Dennis Schroeder and they bring him in, maybe it's somebody else. I, I'm very curious how Phoenix addresses moving on from Chris Paul after being waived and what that actually looks like and what their realistic options are, right? I agree. I mean, I don't know. I'm not super high on this player, but let's not forget that they do have, you know, Cameron Payne still mm. there. And, I mean, he's, I guess, average, you know, um, if they decide to fully guarantee that. I mean, I, I would imagine that. I mean, I, I don't know. I'd say slightly below average, to be honest with you. But, like, He's serviceable. Um, he's someone that they have that they could use there. Um, I, I don't 
know aside from maybe trying to trade eight into a team with cap room and shed Paul's salary with like a pick swap or something because then they could kind of operate as a cap tack like a cap room team themselves and mm. maybe that's good enough to sign someone like fred van vliet without having to worry about a sign and trade while ducking the tax it's a lot and even yeah. then you, the sons are clearing up what 27 million like i think van vliet's gonna get more like 30 to 33 you know, like, that would be an extreme, that's like the two, I call it the 2K play. You know, where you're trying to like clear all this cap space for a free agent you might be able to get. And then if you yeah. don't, you are definitely screwed, right? But the Suns, I, I think they're going to probably stand pat. I, I mean, all the noise around Chris Paul, I'd be surprised at this point. I mean, Frank Vogel came out and said, listen, like, we, we're not waving, you know, or we haven't waved Chris Paul. That really is, means nothing. I mean, okay, mm. yes, they haven't yet. Doesn't mean they won't. Yeah. Um, and if so, then what? But I don't know if they move both from him and campaign. And maybe you think, hey, Point Booker is a thing. Kevin Durant handles the ball a lot. We get a guy like campaign already there. He could be our nominal point guard. We get a guy like Dennis Schroeder, who we saw, you know, can can play the point guard position and, and had a little bit of renaissance in L.A. last year. Get a guy like that who, you know, can run the offense, at least execute a side pick and roll. Can you maybe knock down a three? Like, maybe... They go that route and say, listen, no, it's going through KD and Booker and then everyone else, you're just kind of there. You know, maybe they go that route. I feel like they go more that route than make the all-in play for a Van Vliet or something like that. Just because the optics is, one, it doesn't look super great. I mean, you're kind of putting everything out there. Um, mm. But at the same time, like, it's all up in the air. There's no guarantee that it's going to work. No, In terms of making I, the room, sorry. No, I mean, I think, I think you're right. And I just... If I'm them, I, I just think, I uh, wonder if fans are going to be like, oh, what are they going to do to kind of uh, counter um, the Kevin Dur- uh, the Chris Paul um, waving or trade for pennies in the dollar? It's like, they're probably just going to have to go cheap. Like, that's the new CBA. That's the reality is like so many teams are looking at what's coming in 2024, um, the drastic changes uh, to a lot of these expensive teams like the Suns will be with Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, and, uh, and Devin Booker. So... I, my gut, I I think Dennis Schroeder probably makes the most sense. Maybe maybe Patrick Beverly makes some sense there. He'll be a free agent. Um, I'd be reluctant to throw Gabe Vincent a bag uh, out of Miami, but it just feels like he's the perfect incubator there. But like, wouldn't hate it. Maybe Javon Carter because he had a really good year in Milwaukee. He's affordable. But I think it's gonna be one of those kind of guys, those defensive first kind of guys to balance out campaign um in those minutes and whoever's got it going that's where they'll go but i don't anyone who's expecting like another big name i think to share the backcourt with devin booker next year in phoenix i just i i don't see it um worst hire who you think will be the least successful in this cycle corbin who do you have I mean, it feels, I, I, I don't know. That's a tough question, only because it feels wrong to say the Toronto Raptors new coach just because it's like a, hmm. a new coach that we don't know. I just feel like all the others are really solid. You know, like, I like Nick Nurse in Philadelphia. Hmm. I think that makes sense. Oh, actually, no, I have one. I have one. I'm over here overthinking it. Um, Let's go to Monty Williams in Detroit. Interesting. Is it the contract or just the fit? Kind of both, but a little bit of both. <laughs> um, like the contract's crazy. I, I, I said, I mean, it's gonna even out. It's like when you know, um, Mike Conley had the biggest contract ever, right? Mm. Like it's gonna be a fun trivia question in a couple of years. Um, but also, like, Monty Williams wasn't doing very good with a 
winning team. Like, he was doing good, but there was mm. all sorts of behind-the-scenes locker room things. Now going with a young team, like, the only benefit from that is there's no real expectations. But we haven't actually seen Monty Williams. Like, when was the last time Monty Williams was with a rebuilding team? Like, I'm not saying that you can't become that coach, but, like, he was on some New Orleans Pelicans squads. They weren't, quote-unquote, re- when they when he first got hired, maybe. But mm. if I remember, when they first got hired, they still had Chris Paul. Like, it was like a transition thing. So... I don't think he's the guy for the job. It's like, it's like if Doc Rivers got hired for it. I'm not saying that they're very good at coaching competitive teams, but they're better, you know, in, in my mind, inclined to coach veteran win-now teams than they are for young young personalities, young NBA players. Like, if you can't establish, if you can't manage, establish NBA vets, you know, Jay Crowder's been a journeyman for a bit, but he is around. He's been around. Locker room guy for the most part. Haven't heard a lot about him. DeAndre Ayton is one of those kind of superstar guys you kind of have to call a little bit. You know, number one pick, got the pedigree that goes along with that. Like, you failed on both counts, sir. And now it's okay. Now you're going to go to a team that has a number one pick, former in James Wiseman, has another current, a former one in Cade Cunningham. You have Jaden Ivey. You have another high first-round pick you have. You know, you got to figure out the Wiseman um, fit along with, I'm trying to think of their other big, oh, um, I can't, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now. Um, uh, oh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I like him too. That's what's annoying. Uh, Duran. Thank you, Jalen Duran. Appreciate yeah, you. Durant, like, yeah, There's a lot to manage, both mm. roster, it, it, depending on who they select in, in the draft. You know, uh, how are you going to manage Kate Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, making those two work, making them both comfortable in their situation, you know, managing the bigs. Like, that's a lot to do. And, and, and you think that Monty's the man for the job. Not only that, but you think he's the man of the job to the tune of the money that you paid him. Yeah. A little rich for me. A little much. Kind of a stretch. We're doing some some real mental gymnastics. We are in the Olympics of mental gymnastics for that, in my opinion. Yeah, I just... I guess there was, like, that reaction where people were like, look, um, it's not our money. Like, who cares how billionaires spend their money in terms of coaching contracts? So it's like, well, we'll see what this means for other coaching contracts. Because it's like, if Monty got this, then other coaches are like, whoa. That's Monty Williams. Like, if Monty can get that, come on now. Fork over. Right. And Monty... I'm surprised Vogel got paid less. Sorry. Yeah, but also Monty, like, hey, I'm like, it also tells you everything you know about this Pistons job, right? Where Monty was probably like, because look, this is job number three, right? His third head coaching job. Like, this is probably it for him. Uh, Most guys don't get four or five head coaching jobs around the league. Like, you just Mm -hmm. don't keep cycling. It's just, there comes a point where you are no longer getting those. You're not getting, like, the Doc River stuff is pretty good, but Doc might be out now. Like, we just, he mm-hmm. made it through we the cycle, know. and this might be it for Doc. He might not. He's been a coach for a few teams. Right, and he might now be at the end, because he was rumored, like, a favorite for the Phoenix job for a while, and he doesn't get it. Um, mm-hmm. And that just might be it, where enough teams have been like, all right, like, Doc can get us here, but now there's so much evidence uh, post-Boston that, like, he's probably not the final piece to a championship puzzle, and, like, maybe that means he's just not going to get another NBA head coaching job. Uh, it's possible. Terry Stotts bounced around, and now Terry Stotts is going to be the lead assistant, I think, what, Milwaukee? He's back in Milwaukee with Adrian Griffin and that staff. But mm. I doubt he gets another full head coaching job. Like, um, there's just a lot of options. Like, the way I look at it with Monty, this is a bold move from him where I think you and I are on the same page when it comes to where the Pistons can go. Like, Bojan had a great year this past year, but, like, it's going to be very big, heavy, it's going to be a team that does not uh, flirt with the top 10 in offensive rating, I would say, next year. I would say Kate Cunningham missing a lot of time did not help things going into next year. Um, Jaden Ivey looks 
fine. I didn't see like superstar from Jaden Ivey this past year. Maybe he can get there. I don't see it necessarily. I still don't really love the fit of him and Cade all that much. We'll see. Like Killian Hayes seemed like he took a leap, but like again, another basic non-shooter who I don't think is a starter on a good team. I think he's um, just more of a I don't know, more of a third guard, more of a Dennis Schroeder, um, those kind of guys where it's like does a lot of little things well, could be a good player on a contender. I just don't think he's a core piece. And then you're like, well, what do you really have? And you get kind of screwed in the lottery, the fifth pick. So I don't know. I just, I think Detroit just doesn't have a lot of stuff that I like. I don't really understand what they're doing. I don't really understand what they're building, what their identity is going to be. I think Monty's walking into a really tough spot. And because of that, he saw it and was like, all right, no. Uh, how much money are you willing to offer for me to walk into this kind of position? Because I just think he's going to lose a lot of games. And I don't even think it's going to be necessarily a fault of Monty. But you look at this roster and you look at the East right now, Corbin. Like, who's falling out? Like, who who do you see the Pistons passing in the next two years? Uh, because that's going to be a big two years for him. And I look up and down the East right now. I just... I don't know. I don't. I don't see a big, uh, a big option for the Pistons to break through. And I. I don't even know who on this roster right now profiles as uh, an All Star in the next year or two in the East. I mean, maybe Cade. Maybe. I was but, thinking maybe Cade. But like, is Cade? Has he shown you enough that he's going to be one of those one of the best guards in the NBA in the next two years? Well, I mean, injuries have kind of made that a thing. Yeah. Right? So, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you from, like, what we've seen. There's been flashes, certainly. Yeah. Um, like, is it long-term? Like, oh, yeah, just wait till he gets healthy. No, it hasn't been enough. But it has, also hasn't been enough for me to go, you know, when he has played, I'm not going, oh, yeah, like, you know, he's a bust. There's no Ben Simmons happening right here. Speaking of that, um, the teams I could see fall is probably the Charlotte. I don't see them climbing out very quickly unless they take Scoot Henderson, like, there's yeah. Brandon Miller, like, <laughs> good luck. Um, and then also, I can see Brooklyn going down for sure. I definitely don't see them as a hmm. team on the rise. Um, figure out what happened with Kel Bridges. Uh, Cam Johnson's free agent is going to be big. You know, like, they have to pick a direction now. And, and I think that they picked the rebuilding one over the, okay, let's retool. Because you had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like, as troubled as that situation may have been at points, I don't think you get a better contention window than Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving for the Brooklyn Nets in the next two years. So I feel like if you're going to stand pat, they're probably going to fall out. We saw how they were post-trade deadline. And if so, like, they could end up. All they need of it is, a, is an unfortunate injury, and I could definitely see the Nets in the cellar. So I say the Nets and the Hornets. Um, and then also, just for kicks and giggles, I'll throw in two more teams. The Bulls, don't know what direction they're going with. Bulls are a good sneaky pick. They yep. should. The Bulls yep. are a team that should. I just don't know if uh, Art- uh, Arturis, uh, what is it, Kornikovic? Kornik- yeah, Kor- Korvonis. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. He was a build through the middle in Denver guy. Like, And he I just was, don't. But- and Chicago is not the kind of market, and Reinsdorf has never committed to a long-term rebuild there. I just True. don't know if they'll bottom out. I think they're going to just refuse to face the reality here. And that's fair. I think they'll just lose. Like, the yeah. unfortunate thing about them that's not Denver, they're not good enough to, like, just be like, oh, we're going to stay in the middle. Like, that's the goal, um, yeah. which they joined the other team about to mention that also tries to play the middle, the Washington Wizards. Yeah. The team that, okay, we're just going to try to play the middle and make the play in. And you're just... Not that good enough to just think that your goal is to be in the middle and you can do that. All I think the Wizards actually are going to blow it up. Injury. Huh? I think the Wizards actually are going to blow it up. Oh, with their new direction, company. I'd hope so. I mean, good luck yeah. trading Bradley Beal. But, like, that 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 is my hope. Um, just because it actually means picking a direction that makes sense. Also, again, mm-hmm. we're very close to my dream scenario. I think you and I talked about this a few weeks ago. Bradley Beal for Shaden Sharp and maybe the number three pick. 
you did say something like that. You do have a mix. You have a, 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 a that's pres- that's assuming, of course, that that's enough to get Damian Lillard to stay. I think that's enough. I think Damian's looking for a reason to stay. Like I think he's. I think just... he is too. But Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal's your. If Bradley Beal's the answer, I don't want to hear the question. <laughs> I think it'd be like, fun though. I don't think they win the title. I'd but be that'd a be fun, fun backcourt. Oh, I'd two K the mess out of that. Yeah. Um, but that's it. I mean, I don't know. It, I just, I don't know. Like, I mean, he's two better guys than McCollum. Are, huh? Like, he's better than McCollum. He is. I, I, mm. I, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't even say that now. Would you not? No, I wouldn't. Just think I about just what he like did last team. year. McCollum's been on a good what? team again, and huh? now people like McCollum a lot more. He's on well, a good team. Well, I, I just think McCollum actually can play point guard and has some more versatility. Bradley Beal is kind of what he is. He can sort of play point guard, but not really because you always have to have another guard. We've seen what they've done already cycling through, you know, um, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Monty yeah. Morris, before that, Russell Westbrook. Like, he obviously needs somebody to play alongside him. Where Cesar McCollum's been the point guard. Now, is he, like, one of the top-tier point guards? No, but he's been a serviceable point guard while still being able to get his points. So, yeah. I think there's just more utility and flexibility that McCollum brings to a lineup than Bradley Beal. Plus, McCollum has proven. Like, he's hit big shots in the playoffs. Bradley yeah. Beal's been in the playoffs. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I'm all, I'm a Beal guy, and now that Dejounte like Murray might be on the market mm-hmm. for Atlanta, like I'm at a point where I, if Washington's up to it, mm-hmm. I would flirt with Bradley Beal and Trey Young just to see what it looks like for a couple of postseasons. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think you can win a title with those two. It'd be horrific defensively. Do I think I it'd think be a you... lot of fun though? Yeah. Do you yes. make out the play-in? Yeah. I'm being a little. I'm being a little hard right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, also, probably. what do you think Cade shot from three last year? Say thirty-three percent. He shot twenty-seven percent from three. Jeez, not great, not great, Chief. He, I just, I don't know if the shots there. I didn't see it a lot in college, and if he's just like him and Killian and Jaden, I don't think is going to be a three-point assassin. Like I just look at this group, and then you go so big, heavy with Duran, Wiseman, Bagley, and I just. They were 28th in offense and 28th in defense. They won 17 games last year, Corbin. I just, I don't, I don't think they're close. Like, and there's just not a real path for me to see that. Like, I'm excited about any of these guys. I'm most excited about Cade of this group, but I still don't, I don't know what he is. Like, I don't know if he can be, if the shot's not there, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know what he can ultimately get to as a player that makes it it all that worthwhile. I don't even know who he reminds me of. Like when I watch Cade, there's not someone a past player who jumps out to me. Is there someone for you that you, he reminds you most of? Hmm. Honestly, for Cade, I mean, I, I when I came, I was actually I do have one. I do have one. Mm. I do have one. Let me, let me see if you think about this. What, what did you think about this? Wasn't a super great shooter, uh-huh. but had some couple of solid years. Tall playmaker could go off. Penny Hardaway. That's, I mean, that's best case scenario, right? Yes, but I'm saying, I, I, I see, like, he has this easy way about him. Like, he hasn't shown, I mean, Penny wasn't the best three-point shooter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Penny had flashes, but I don't know if Penny's first year was, I mean, I got to compare, you know. Um, well, it's also different eras. They didn't try, like, it's completely yeah, different. I mean, like, what would, well, we, Penny, what would Penny have looked I mean, like he, if he was doing he, it? Yeah, I mean, he came around, I wouldn't say he was before the, he came around in the, in the 90s. Yeah, like he is a career thirty-one percent three-point shooter. He played from ninety-three to two thousand eight. So, like, he definitely crossed that three-point range. Like, even if you mm-hmm. want to say like it wasn't a huge part, it's not like he was playing in the eighties. Like, he had a couple years where he shot, uh, well, 
Not really. He had a, a year. Nope, not really. He just wasn't a great three-point shooter. Like, that's the guy I think of. Like, he still put up good numbers. He had a season 20 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists. 21 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists. 24 and 5. 15, 5 and 5. 16, 5 and 5. Like, big boxy numbers, right? Mm. Um, went to a couple of conference finals. Went to an NBA finals. Went to the playoffs a few years. Obviously battled injuries. Same thing there. Um, yeah. Didn't really shoot three ball well. 26% rookie year. 34%. 31%. Uh, the most threes he took was in his fourth season. He took four and a half threes a game, made it a 31% clip. 30%, 28, 32, 25, 27. Like, the dude got him up. I mean, for his career, um, in total, from three, I'm trying to look at that just to make sure, he was five, he made the 503 threes. He shot 1,591 of them. Mm. So, like, he, he could shoot, or he did shoot them. Yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of the comparison I get. Like, a guy who can go off, but he's going to be, like, I don't think he's, if he's your best player, we saw the 97, 98 Orlando Magic. Like, we yeah. know how that goes, right? Like, if he's your best player, yeah, no. But if he's your second best player, depending on how dominant your best player is, like Shaq, 95, that could happen. I think mm. Kane's more like that. I I mean, people are comparing Luka Doncic, stuff like that like hard yeah that's like, i don't think happening. that's realistic at yeah. all but i think penny hardaway is more than realistic i just think penny hardaway was a good player and so is Cade. but guess what injuries affected penny too who knows yeah. how good penny could have been if injuries had been affected now we know penny wasn't was was, was what he was as a shooter like <laughs> that's established but he could have been probably better without those injuries and unfortunately maybe we say the same for Cade. It's, it's still too early to tell but that'd be my comparison i don't hate that i don't hate that um the Wiz, switching gears here a little bit. The Wiz. We talked about Adam, Bradley Beal, Michael Winger coming in from the Clippers. Um, it's a pretty big hire. Like, the Wiz have just kind of pushed against um, a full-on rebuild here for a long time. I don't know what this means for Chris Dapps. I don't know what this means for Bradley Beal, Johnny Davis. <laughs> big work in progress showed a little bit of flash uh, late this year. Um, maybe he can still be something. I don't know. Uh, really rough for gear as a whole for Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin for DC. But uh, I just, I don't know. This is kind of fascinating. Who stays, who goes based on where the Wizards are. It seems like you're uh, in favor of going the full on, just tear this thing down. And I think this is probably the closest that the Wiz have come to the full on tear down, be bad for a while uh, in a really long time. But I think it's welcome. I think this is what they should do. What do you think? I think it's still too early to talk as optimistically as you were talking right now, Chase. But okay. I agree with you. No, I just – I don't trust it. Like, yes, new management will – until they don't re-sign Kyle Kuzma, until mm. they let Christoph Porzingis go, until Bradley Beal is traded and or on, or on the block, rather, I'm going to assume that they're going to do what they've always done because they've given me no reason to think differently, right? Like, mm. we've seen this middling – Wizards team. We saw the 2018-2019, the 2019-2020, 2021-2022. Like, we saw this. We saw this from back when they had John Wall and they weren't trying to rebuild. Even when he was getting constantly injured and it was like, okay, you know what? Scrap it all. Build around Bradley Beal. Like, that didn't happen until the very end. Like, by the time Wall was done, like, by the time they gave up on Wall, like, Wall had been done for, like, two years. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, that's the Wizards right now. So, until they change that, I I'm not inclined to believe that they that they're going to. Because you're right, this is the most perfect point to do it right now. 
get the draft pick that you have coming in. I think they're eighth, if I remember, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, give all the minutes to Johnny Davis, you know, and I mean that he had a, a, at least a promising second half of the season. Like, he wasn't great, obviously, for most of the year. In fact, he was downright awful. I think we saw that from, from Summer League. So, like... Yeah, if 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 they do something like that, get like an Anthony Black, or you know, like if they go that route and just build around their young players, then there's some hope there. Mm. I mean, I would look at young guys. Uh, Corey Kispert is relatively young. Daniel Gafford's in that range. You know, Jordan Goodwin's not old, uh, not necessarily. You know, and then of course you have, you know, the the draft pick you bring in. Of course you have, you know, I just mentioned him just now, um, Johnny Davis, like. Mm. Like that's not a great core. <laughs> no, totally understand that. You're definitely looking at 2024 and maybe even 2025. But at least you pick the direction. It's rebuilding. See what you have in the young players you have. If not, look to acquire more assets, draft picks. You know how to play the game. At least Washington should know, right? And then go from there. Um, but as of right now, I mean, I have no reason to believe that they're going to yet. They made a nice move. Great. Like that's awesome. And honestly, like complete no sarcasm. Like very good for them to do that. One step in the right direction. But it's one thing to do that and make a big change. Another thing, if you're going to make a big change and then give the same old marching orders you've been doing. That's fair. So we'll see. Um, I guess I'm just a bigger believer that they do it than the Bulls. Both should. I just feel like the Wizards, too. Like The Bulls at least have a couple more pieces, intriguing pieces. Like You still have Patrick Williams. You still have Zach Levine. You, like, the Lonzo Ball thing just sucks. And if he, if the reports are true, like that he really might never come back, and that he's gonna be for like that. Just that sucks, um, all across the board. Because I mean, they were flirting with the best team in the East uh, last season. Like that was not long ago that this team might have been a, a one seed overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so I at least understand a little bit. I still didn't believe in them with. DeRozan and Levine and Ball and the company to like actually get through the East, but you could at least sell that, right? Like you could mm-hmm. sell that for five years, three to five years, whatever. I can see the vision. I mean, I don't agree with the it, Wizards. There's no vision. Like you won 35 games. Like Bradley Beal is not like he, he's not getting any younger. Like you don't have to sign Kyle Kuzma. Like Kristaps Porzingis is giving you a lot, which is great. Sell high there. Like the injury stuff and everything else, like, you have something. But outside of that, it's not like Johnny Davis needs all, like, Monty Morris, Dellen Wright, who I like, Kendrick Nunn, Jordan Goodwin. Like, it's just very easy for them to bottom out. And what that means is just moving on from uh, Bradley Beal. You'll probably get some good stuff there. Um, Not re-signing Kyle Kuzma, which is not hard at all. You should not pay whatever it's going to take to bring back Kyle Kuzma. And then just sell high and Chris has Przingis. Like, that's it. That's all mm-hmm. you have to do. And then you're suddenly one of the worst teams in the NBA, and it's not really particularly close. Exactly. And those aren't going to be hard. Those should not be, like, the hard, oh, I don't know, man. I, I really like keeping – it's like, you're just bad. You were bad last year. You're a 35-1 team. Mm-hmm. Like, this is – that This is that was best-case scenario. You got a healthy Chris Dapps. You still got a lot of Bradley Beal. You are not close to being a good basketball team with this core, and there's no path for you to be a good basketball team in this course. So I uh, I think they should, and I, I'm very, very interested to see what the Wizards do because I think they're going to be a sneaky, very, very fascinating off-season team to monitor. Um, s- speaking of off-season teams to monitor here, Corbin, your Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron, Dallas, Kyrie, lot going on there. Um, what are you thinking in this regard? Is there part of you that's like that LeBron gets hurt, he plays hurt, um, this postseason, you push as far as you can 
Um, you get to the Western Conference Finals, you get swept. You didn't have that third guy. It's kind of what's happening with the Heat, where it's just Jimmy and Bam who's having a good series, and they just don't have the options. Like the the Nuggets have so much firepower, they're so deep across the board that they just the Lakers just didn't have enough at the end. Like the Rui Hachimura ISOs late finally came back to bite them in Game Three and Game Four. There, where it was like, oh, they have they they don't know where else to go. And when D'Angelo Russell plays as poorly as he does late in that series, you just you can't survive that way. So LeBron and Anthony Davis know that. Like they know they need somebody else to keep this thing humming and with their age and their injuries and just the mileage uh, on both those guys. I'm very curious what they do because I still, my gut says CP3 ends up there. I think that's how they do it. And they bring back Schroeder and they just run it back with those two as their league guards. And they see what happens going into next year and if cp has to sit for defensive possessions whatever and they just they figure it out because Schroeder actually really really works for la and i think he's just someone they'd never want to give the ball to they never want to pay they never want to bring back but it's like Schroeder just plays well and he just blends with lebron and anthony davis and he's just a great defender he had a great postseason um i think they should bring him back and make him a priority this offseason but we'll see what happens what do you think happens do you do you want them to do stay small there do you think there's a party that's like what if lebron we just got off this and we really blew it up is there a party that's like maybe we do bring in kyrie we find a way to get kyrie and we run it out last dance style with lebron kyrie and anthony davis and then lebron retires after next year like where is your head at with all this and what do you think happens i mean part of me was so happy to see just a winning lakers team like a team that looked like wow we have a good chance of winning this game after like 2021 where we were really good and then injuries happened then 2022 which was just the season from hell right like mm. last year felt like wow especially after the trade deadline like i like this group I, I and part of me just wants to take this group and run it back mm. everybody like let's see if you know malik beasley finds a rhythm let's see what happens mobamba i like him as a, as a so you want to pay everybody can, like austin reeves deandre russell whatever it I, takes part Rui of too? me wants to okay right now the only two i know i want to bring back for sure if i was running the Lakers front office is austin reeves and Rui hachimura right like those are given to me. They're young. Rui's they're a given. Yes. I mean, they. Rui had. Rui thrived in the postseason. Mm. He could play on the court with LeBron and AD, you know, in these big lineups. Like, he did a decent job. Like, yeah, mind you, they had him guarding Nikola Jokic. Like, <laughs> come on now. But, like, aside from that, like, yeah, I was very happy with the Rui Hachimura played. Okay. Also, Austin Reeves. Like, the dude showed yeah. poise. Both Austin, those I think, guys is the biggest did. priority. Exactly. So, I, I bring both those guys back. Like, that's, that's, that's what I say just straight out. Now, Danzo Russell, I'm partial to Russell. I was a Laker fan. I've been a Laker fan for almost 20 years now. But, mm. like, I was a Laker fan back when, um, you know, D'Lo first got drafted. You had those lost years, you know, right where Kobe was definitely declining and, and toward the end and the Young Bucks and him and Julius Randle. And, you know, you had, um, what is his name? Oh, my gosh. Um Larry Nance Jr., thank you. Mm. Like, all these guys, of course. You know, like, that was the group. They weren't great, but they always had this weird knack of beating the Warriors, you know, when the Warriors came to L.A. after, I'm sure, a long night out. Like, I remember D'Lo from back then, and he's been a bit of a journeyman, too. It's been Brooklyn, right? It's been mm. Golden State. It's been Minnesota. Um, but he seemed to have had a, a nice little rhythm of first couple of games with the Lakers and then a bit here and there throughout the playoffs. But we saw him just get shut down in the conference finals, and that's kind of worrying. Um, mm. especially given the money he's looking for. You know, if it was, like, just a role player, bring him back too easy. But if he's looking for more, like, $30 million, like, mind you, you're not getting that. But also, like, maybe you get 25 26 Maybe you get, like, then a 23 26 range. That's still a little rich for my blood. 
you know? Mm. And I would say lower for the Lakers, bud. So he's on the fence for me. Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba, probably the best way to trade those guys and get, like, a maybe an impact player. I think Mo Bamba's salary, bring that in, like, the number 17th pick or something, and that might get you. A, I mean, I wouldn't be fond of this, but that might get you a Alex Russo mm. or something like that from Chicago since they don't have draft picks, what, this year, and I think next year is, like, top 10 protected or something. Like, mm. That might be enough. You know, either way, I think that you package Mobamba and Malik Beasley, you know, maybe a second or something together to get matching salary and an upgrade for the Lakers. Like, I see that happening. But that that's where I would go. Um, you have your two guys that you bring back regardless. You have your one guy who's kind of on the fence, and then you have your other two that you're trading, right? Um, mm-hmm. As far as Kyrie, like, I wouldn't be against it, but I just don't see any way that happens that you bring in Kyrie and keep all the guys you have. Or bring in Kyrie... And keep the two main guys you have. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, Is Russell back for you? Possibly. It might be a marriage of convenience. In that mm. maybe, you know, the contract that Russ wants, that, that D'Angelo wants, isn't out there. So I can't say Russ. Russ is with the Clippers. Um, I'm not messing around. Well, not even really the Clippers anymore. No, he actually, I think he's going to be, yeah, I think he's moving on too, just because he actually outperformed, you know, the minimum contract, which I always knew he would. Like, he wasn't a minimum player. He just wasn't a good fit for the Lakers. But moving right along from that, um, I think that D'Angelo, yeah, I think that he might, I think it's a good chance to come back to the Lakers. One, Hmm. um, Lakers have interest in bringing him back. I mean, he was better than they've had a point over the last couple of years. Um, Two, I don't think what D'Lo's looking for in the market is actually out there. I think it's mm. kind of a little bit of a pipe dream. So maybe it's like, hey, we came back to each other. It works out well. Basically, what they were all saying, give us a training camp and make it happen. And I do think there's some reason to believe that if you give D'Lo a training camp with these guys, he can blend in. He is a good shot maker. He's a very good three-point shooter. He can you know, put the team on the back for a couple of quarters, a couple of, a couple of games here and there once in a while. It's not something you can always go to, but there's some upside there, right? 27, like still in his prime, you know? So I, I, I wouldn't be against it. Let me just say that. But I, I don't know. Hmm. If that's where they go, but I lean more that way. Um, as far as Chris Paul, like, yeah, if he's available, I think he's a Laker. And if so, boom. I still would like him off the bench. I don't think Chris Paul's a starter like that anymore. Um, I think we saw the little bit of Phoenix. I just that works out well, right? Like, I think that's the best case scenario. If you get, I, if you bring in Chris Paul, if he's waived and you sign Chris Paul to a team friendly deal and you don't pay D'Angelo Russell, you sign and trade him. Maybe that's mm-hmm. it. You just sign and trade Russell to the Suns and Chris Paul is the one who goes um, to LA. Oh, I would want more than just Chris Paul for that. Mm. Would you? You trade a 27-year-old for a 38-year-old. Um, D'Angelo Russell had the better year last year across two different I teams. wonder what his value is around the league. Huh? I wonder what his value is. Because, I mean, like, I'm Russell's, like, the ultimate too, player but... who thinks he's a league guard still and doesn't know that he needs to be Cole Anthony. Oh, yes. I, I would 100% agree with you. But, like, also, mm. Chris Paul is a living legend who's playing, like, the artist formerly known as Chris Paul. He's 38. Yes, so I'm not trading mm. a sign and trade of a guy in his prime, even as with the illusions of grandeur that he has, right? Yeah. Like, Dilo's still a very good player, even if he thinks he's an all-star and he's not. But I would still rather have that. Would you rather have Dilo than Chris Paul? I would for the next year. I mean, what do you get? You Just for the next Chris? year? Yeah, I would. Interesting. The upside I would not. for D'Angelo exists. I, I mean, Chris Paul's been battling injuries the entire time. I like yeah. Chris Paul in a series. I'm taking Chris Paul. I like Chris Paul in a game. I'm taking Chris Paul. I may even take Chris Paul for 20 games. Yeah. But over the course of a season, over the last three years we've seen Chris Paul, yeah. he wears down. Yeah, We've seen it. He battled injuries heavy last year. And it makes sense. He's 38. Not everyone's going to age like LeBron. And mind you, LeBron looked mortal last year, right? Like, mm. no, I just I, – if, if you pay in Chris Paul just to sit fancy suits on the pine while D'Lo is putting up, you know, 21, 4, and 5 
not great, but still 21, 4, and 5 more than you're getting from Chris Paul at this point. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I think Chris Paul still has it in his bag to give you solid performances. I think the days of him being the Chris Paul of, of even OKC are, are done. We're not getting Houston Chris Paul. And this might bite no. me, but it might. I said pretty much the same thing when Chris Paul got traded to Oklahoma City. So maybe it will. And we've seen great years since then. But I think what I saw this year, it looked like the dude was juiced. It looked like he was done. It, 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 teams are going at him defensively now in ways they weren't before. Some of that's due to age. Some of that's like, hey, you, you can't stay with us, you know? Um, offensively, he's not exploiting like he used to. He's definitely in his John Stockton mode, in my opinion. Late career John Stockton. Get you nine points, nine assists, couple of threes. Plus 100 uh, per 100 possessions, he was only plus 1.8, which was his lowest since his 2009-2010 year with the Hornets, where he was plus .3. Because the year before, for reference, he was 10.2. The Suns were 10.2 better uh, per 100 possessions with Chris Paul on the floor than without him. And, I mean, it's still positive last year, but to your point where it's like we're now in – like the day, like he's not going to be at plus ten point two next year. Like that's not; those days are gone. But the shooting's still there when he wants to. <laughs> um, he does enough where it's like the offensive rating one hundred twelve, defensive rating one twelve. When he was on the floor for Phoenix last year, he's still a net positive year over year, and I th- still think he's someone that just he just helps. He knows where to be. He'd be comfortable with LeBron. He'd be comfortable with AD. He wouldn't have to play. A bunch of minutes you could play you could stagger him and uh, and dennis schroeder like he could dennis could take a lot of those regular season minutes if chris paul's not healthy you still have dennis maybe you bring somebody else in maybe there is somebody else to help carry that a little bit maybe it's caruso you bring caruso back too maybe that's the other option but it's possible i don't know i i think cp makes you better than d'angelo russell now i don't know if he can stay healthy and if you want him to have that kind of load for the regular season but um, mm-hmm. I'm I mean, very ideally, curious. I agree, but yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm very curious to see what happens with D'Lo and Chris Paul and everything else with the Lakers this offseason. Um, 30 seconds. Do you think LeBron is retiring after this year, no matter what? No, he got to play with his son. Do you think that's still a thing? Yep. I think he said, I think that the smoke screen was him. I think he was very mad, very emotional. It was, he was very close to the finals, right? Like mm. each game, yeah, he got swapped, but they were pretty close games. You can kind of see it. I could really see it like, yeah, that was a long year, and I think the emotions overtook LeBron. He's like, wow, you know, Carmelo also just retired. He's the only player left in the 2003 draft class. Like, it, it, it's something where it's like, dang, like, I'm old, <laughs> you know? Like, I definitely think he had a moment, but no, he said it way too much and too often for him to go back on that now. I could even see him take a year away and then come back and play with his son, but there's no way in the world he retires and doesn't play with Bronny after saying all this stuff about him wanting to play with Bronny. Like, now, if I was, you know, if I'm Bryce, then, like, sheesh, I'm not playing with my dad. You know what I mean? Like, like I get that. But he, he said too much. I, I really think that was just, I never bought into that. And I won't until I see it say LeBron James retired. I think you're right about him taking a lot of time to watch Bronny. Like, I think this year he's going to take some time. Like, he's going to be <laughs> doing other stuff. Like, he is going to be missing time in the regular season to go watch Bronny. It helps that he's playing at USC, not Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think there's going to be times where LeBron's going to, I mean, we'll see what happens with this foot. If he's even ready to start next year, I have my doubts that LeBron will be playing opening night for the Lakers going mm. into next year uh, based on what he was dealing with. And I, I just, he looked gassed come postseason this past year. Like he ran out of gas and I think he knows 
like he's gonna have to take the regular season even uh even not less seriously but just be even more careful with his minutes with his energy exertion like i i just i think we're gonna see significantly less of lebron uh next regular season but i also think this is it i don't think he's gonna play with Bronny. i think he's just gonna go watch Bronny after next year i think he'll be courtside and watch him and do all that stuff i don't think lebron's gonna make it i don't think he can make it two more full years wow i think this is it i don't think lebron wants to go out on a non-contender where he's not playing important like he was not lebron like the what was, remember where he just fell when he was gone on that steal, the dunk against the yeah, Nuggets. Yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. Where there were just little things. I mean, he was missing a lot of big shots. He just didn't look like the second best basketball player of all time anymore. Like, he's just at this point, which is, again, because he's still human and an amazing all-time player. But, like, it, there is something different now with LeBron. And the LeBron of old is not coming back, I don't think. Even in spurts, mm. you'll get a little bit. But, like, I think we saw this postseason... LeBron kind of inching closer and closer to that last stage of his basketball career. And he just doesn't strike me as someone who's going to just play and grind through it when he's not the same dude, when he's going to average like 16 and five on 34% three point shoot. Like I just, I don't think LeBron's going to go out that way. I don't think he wants to go out that way. Yeah, I get you. I I, I would agree. I'm, I still the only thing I'm holding out hope he wasn't healthy and like, yeah, he's healthy and he's doing that. Then I'm right there. In the but what if he's never healthy again, like to that extent, where and he's that's just possible. Like, then, then yeah. I mean, then it reminds me of another. I mean, arguably the greatest of all time, who did not love the greatest of all time when he was 38. Yeah, the Michael Jordan. Right, injuries happen. Uh, there's a book. Uh, it's kind of decent. It's called. When he turns 39 matters. in December, by the way. He will there be 39 in December. There you go. Yep, December 25th or 27th, 23rd. 30th. 30th. Wow. Mm. Well, there you go. Way off. Anyway, like if he's he- if he's not getting healthy, if next year's another injury riddled campaign. Mm. Then it's like the Michael Jordan Wizard years, where Jordan had flashes, you know, the 50-point games and the pinning the ball on the backboard block over on Mercer. Like, yeah, moments like that. Other times, he was getting just straight-up stuffed by Paul Pierce and Ron Artest before, you know, Metal World Peace. Like, all of that. Like, he had games where he was horrific, right? Those shooting numbers are not kind to MJ back then. Like, yeah, at a certain point, you know, you're playing against the best and you were 38-39 and your body is showing that. Your knees are giving way. Your lower extremities are finally hitting you. I don't think anyone looks very good. Like, the fact LeBron's looked as good up to this point is great. Like, his 38 year, I still say, is better than Michael Jordan's. Maybe Jordan's 39 is better. You know, I, I don't know. But, like, I think at the end of the day, your age does come back to bite you. And maybe he's not healthy. And if so, and if he's not healthy next year, then, then yeah, I, I would be more inclined to agree with you. But for him to play the way he did, playing with a torn tendon in his foot, and being the age he is, and also being a high priority for the other team's defense still at his age... You're not doubling Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at 39. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, that's not happening. I love, you know, you're not doing that to Kareem. I love him. You're not doing that to the mailman. You know, name other guys in their late 30s, early, early late, late 30s. Like, they're not getting the treatment LeBron is getting while playing injured, while still putting up pretty decent production. I mean, for me, I was surprised he wasn't the leading scorer on the team most of the postseason. It was he still had a 33% usage rate, which a, is a, bonkers mm-hmm. at his age. It's insane, and the fact that the Lakers needed that, like, like, yeah. like, it's wild. But it is what it was, and 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 that's wild. But yeah, until until I see it, I, I'm I can't I can't I, I gotta see him healthy or see more injuries keep popping up. I think now the injuries that normally would have hit him for like half a quarter are now holding him for like eight to twelve games. That's the issue. But if he comes back fully healthy, I I gotta roll with him. 
His last year in Cleveland, he he was 33 and played 82 games, 118, 109 offensive, defensive rating, shot 37% from three. Really, really great year. In L.A., 55 games, 67, 45, 56, 54 this past year in regular season. So I just wonder, like, how low could it really go next year? Where, like, could we get back in the 40s? What do the Lakers look like if LeBron is only playing 30 to 40 regular season games? Because they barely got into the postseason this year that's the over like that's what people forget is like the lakers barely made the postseason this year this was not like some i mean they had a great story they obviously run to the western conference finals but like they had to scrape and claw and injuries around the league had to go their way and this was something where if lebron plays 30 to 40 games if he misses a lot of time and anthony davis does not have perfect health in Los Angeles for a significant portion of next season, this is not a playoff team. And then what are you looking at if you're LA? I think that is something else we have to consider here. And LeBron um, had the lowest uh, offensive and defensive rating um, disparity since his rookie season this past year, 114-113 with this Lakers group. His rookie year in Cleveland, he was 99 offensive rating, 104 defensive rating. Ever since then, it's never been this close on both sides. So you look at it, I don't know. I'm not saying LeBron's going to fall off a cliff next year in terms of just playing, but I think we're just, we're nearing the end and it just sucks. Like it's just age. He'll be 39 in December. I don't think he's playing a significant number of regular season games. I think Corbin, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Rip off the bandaid friend. I don't think they're a playoff team next year. I don't see how they can be. How do you figure? Did you not? They're going to overpay for Austin Reeves and Rui and everybody. I think they bring back well. I don't. Their numbers post. Like, I, they play I'm more. not betting on a Rui full season. Austin Reeves, I, I think, will be fine. Chase, I don't think Rui's going to be great. I think it's going to be bad. They made the okay. When you say they barely made the postseason, they had yes. to win. They had to go like something like 33 and 12 or something to do uh-huh. it, which they did. And they won the and they won the playing game. And they beat the Memphis Grizzlies. And they beat the Golden State. If Warriors. you make like, the play in, like, you barely made the postseason. If you're a playing but, team, but you then barely once made you the postseason. Do and you beat the number three seed and the number four seed, like. I think you have some validity there. And even losing to the Nuggets, who are going to win the championship, all four games were very close. Like, yes, it was a sweep. Bring out the Dusty. No, what I'm saying is, like, they they almost didn't have the opportunity because they came so close to missing the postseason. They they had a 3% chance of making the playoffs when they started 2-10 with the roster that they came into the season with, which was horrible. We know this. They went through that and injuries to AD, who was still playing like a monster. And LeBron had moments, too, and he was injured. Then they went to the trade deadline, made those moves. Mm. Those players were impactful. And from that moment on, the Lakers were legit. So if we're going to go by everything they were from twenty, like the beginning of training camp 22, we knew that tr- that team wasn't going to be the final product. And we also knew that team wasn't going to be great. And they weren't. Mm. Then they made the trade. So now I'm just saying, bring back the people who made you look very good in the second half of the season and the playing game and the first round and the second round. Because that was legit. Anthony like Davis played 56 games last year. Huh? Anthony Davis played 56 games last year. And, and, and we were, and, and also, let's be real. He played 56 games last year, and they were very thin for most of the games he was injured. Once post-trade deadline happened, I think if you had a Rui Hachimura, you have a Mo Bamba, you have a, a better front court like that, I think you're a little bit better. Jared Vanderbilt? 60 games of that? I, I listen, I think you could cobble together if you had to. Because, like, 60 look, games. Anthony Davis played 40 games the year prior. 
36 the year prior, and then 62 when he was 26. He's going to be well, 30 next year. He, uh, 30 this? He's already 30. He's going to be 31 oh, he's, next yeah, year. Yeah, he's 30, yeah. But, like, uh, again, in that 2020 season, he had JaVel McGee and Dwight Howard. Yeah. Really good backup, solid bigs. 2021, I think you had uh, – we didn't have JaVale. I think you had Andre Drummond and Marc Gasol. Mm. Still okay. 2022, you had dog crap. <laughs> that was just, It was just dog crap, right? Going into 2023, you still had dog crap. We brought back Damian Jones. Gave him a player option to do nothing, right? <laughs> Thomas Bryant, who would give you points and, and give up just as many. Now you give me a Jared Vanderbilt, a Ruby Hachimura, if you want to say a Mobamba, that's still three solid players. That, yeah, you're not going to be an AD. There's not a replacement for AD out there like that. But those guys still stand better than what you had in 2022. Like, like this is straight up. Thomas Bryant, Damian Jones. Like, but you still need a healthy AD. Well, I mean, you, you still you need, need LeBron AD to play to more than 40 games. And, but I think that with this roster that you have now, you have a better chance of surviving when LeBron and AD inevitably miss those games. Because before that, you didn't have a mm-hmm. chance. You had to hope that you had a good rust game, which, like, actually, you kind of had a few of those. They just didn't win those games, right? Yeah. Um, I think now you have a better chance because now you have more functional. This would be a middling 500 team without mm-hmm. LeBron and AD. Like, you're not saying the talent they have there is like a lottery team. Now, if they're without LeBron and AD all season, then, then yes, they are a lottery team. But, like, if it's like, oh, just for a couple games here and there, 15-20, I like that town, especially that's some cohesiveness. Yeah, I think they could be solid. Like, I, I think they could hold down the fort. Let's say that. Now, if both those guys are injured, no, no. But that, that's, that's like, come on now. Like, that's that's obvious, right? If LeBron and AD are out for an extended period of time on any team, you know, if they were out on the dream team for an extended period of time, that's going to feel, that's going to be a hurt. But that's the reality. Like, I think they're both going to miss time. I don't think they're going to miss... Okay, they both missed time this year, and they made it to the conference I'm saying finals. significantly. I don't think you're going to get... Think, I don't think... I think you're looking at 40 max, 40 to 45-ish max for LeBron, and I think max for 80 is 50. And I just don't think you're going to... It's just such a thin margin of error in the Western Conference. Like, the Thunder will be better next year. We'll see what happens with the Blazers this offseason. I don't think the Mavericks will be as bad as they just were... You look at the rest of the West, like the Clippers aren't going anywhere, the Warriors aren't going anywhere, Timberwolves aren't going anywhere, the Pelicans, it just takes them being healthy to be um, a top five seed. So same as the Lakers, healthy. Yeah. The Clippers, Hold healthy. on, hold on. Are we comparing the yeah. level of concern health-wise? Yes, we know. are. Because, when's, I'm sorry, yes, we are. We most definitely are. Zion look at still. Look at Brandon Ingram's games. Zion Williamson has played how many games in three seasons? Look. That's a fun trivia thing. I want you to look at that for me. Yeah, since I don't even we're know. Doing it's this. something I mean, very yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty darn bad. Like, yeah. you can't count on Zion. You can't. Like, you count on him not being available. That's Man, Ingram only played 45 games I, I know. I'm telling you. Look, I'm, that's I'm wild. telling you. Like, it felt like bad. more. CJ McCollum was your healthiest guy. And that's saying a lot. Because CJ McCollum's not the bastard of health himself. So, like, I can't believe he only played 45 games last I'm year. I'm telling you. He had a toe injury that bothered him for most of the season. But, like, mm. that, that's, that's New Orleans. Like, boom. If they're healthy, put them next to the Lakers. The mm. Clippers. Paul George. Kawhi Leonard. Are you serious? Put them next to the Lakers. Like, the 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 Thunder, they're gonna get better, sure. The Blazers, I'm not getting any credit. They were trying to contend this year, and look what happened. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna wait to see what happens there, right? Like the Mavericks, I'm sorry, you traded away your best permanent defender, you one of your best offensive creators, another guy in Kyrie who may or may not either be staying in Dallas, going to Houston, going to Philadelphia, <laughs> going to the Lakers, and your defense has been horrible. And you don't have a, a, a ancillary offensive help al- alongside Luka Doncic, aside from Christian Wood, who your coach doesn't like. I'm putting Dallas at the bottom as well. Like, I, I, I don't – like, they have question marks too. I just – I don't see it. The teams yeah. that, that could be there have the same health questions the Lakers do to their top two guys. 
Memphis is probably the only team I'd be like will be more or less where they are. And that's presuming John Moran's not suspended for like 40 games, right? <laughs> like, you know, um, Denver will be right back where they were. We'll mm. see what Golden State looks like, right? Like, I, I, no, I'm very, I'm a lot more um, dubious uh, about the the standings of the West than you are because a lot of them are question marks. Like, you're right. In a perfect world, health, that's great. But right Right now, the only teams that I, I could see being more or less the same, if you don't believe last year was an aberration, then you look at the Kings, right? Mm. You look at the Grizzlies, you look at the Nuggets. We'll see what happens with the Suns. We'll see how they form around KD and Booker, because guess what? Though We thought they were going to win the finals. We thought that were going to be a monster. Injuries. Big surprise. So they're there too, right? Clippers, injuries. Warriors, injuries. Lakers. Timberwolves? Huh? Pelicans, Thunder. Mavericks, Jazz. Trailblazers, Rockets, Spurs. Tell you one thing. Thunder may improve, and they're going to. The... Maybe they win the playing game. Hmm. I don't see them winning a first round series just yet. I think it's still one more year at least. But they might. I mean, they're they're well within play, but they're not a, a championship contender. If you look at championship contenders, you name pretty much any of them outside of the Nuggets, and they're all injury risks. Hmm. I like it. I don't know. Well, we'll see. I don't think I'm saying right now. June 11th, pretty early. The Lakers it, are not a playoff early. team That's next true. year. That is very true, sir. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Corbin Ford, what can the good folks check out from you and uh, just all across the internet? Writing, podcasting, what uh, what can folks check out from you? Well, first, I have to thank you again for having me on. My friend, it's always fun talking hoops with you. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at CorbinMBA, if you are so inclined. Um, also on Instagram, at CorbinMBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-M-B-A. Um, oh, I have a computer back. I am good, so I'll be doing some podcasts coming out. Uh, kind of previewing the draft, talking about the offseason. Um, expect some work on Switch Theory coming out soon. I did a retrospective on uh, the Portland Jailblazers era. I'm going to be doing another one coming up soon on the Phil Jackson Knicks. And mm. we're going over some other front offices, both good and bad, with the recap of what they did and lessons we can take away in terms of roster construction, team management, and, and, and the bigger um, topics that circle those specific years. So definitely looking forward to doing that. Um, that'll be both... Uh, in written form, and I'll have some type of podcast exercise for that as well. Um, also, I'm going to be looking forward to doing my historical redrafts looking, coming up. I'm going to try to go bold. We're trying to do 30 years. So we're going to go from 93 to 2023. Um, looking back on the draft class, like the draft class as a whole, a little bit of a retrospective, a little bit of history around it. And then I'm going to have a, a guest on, maybe you, who, I mean anyone, welcome to come on. And we will redraft that draft with a twist. We're going to form a draft. We're going to draft a five-man rotation, five, six-man rotation of our favorite, or I'll even say seven-man rotation, give it a little depth or show the weakness of a class, of a functional team that we're drafting from the same class. So I did a little bit of that last year. It was really fun. Had some really cool guests. Had a blast. I want to go deeper, go into more of a historical aspect of it, talk about some players who slipped through the cracks that we might forget about. We talked about Penny Hardaway tonight. 93 draft class, baby. Like, I want to do more of that. So, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the summer looking ahead here. There you go. I love it. Corbin Ford, always a pleasure, and I'll talk to you very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.